All right, if you take God's precious word and turn to the book of Philemon. Philemon. Also keep Brother James in your prayers for his uh, possibly getting a new job. And uh, I sure would love to see him in church regularly. I believe God blesses us when we put uh, him first. And uh, and uh, I've I've always believed to, to look for a job and that's going to honor God's house and uh, and put it put him first. Philemon, God willing, will be expounding verses nineteen tonight. Philemon nineteen. Last week we finished up where the Apostle Paul, if you'll look with me to get some context, he said in verse 17, If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or ought thee ought, put that on mine account. And we read and we learned how uh, Paul here saying that uh, if you count me as a partner, receive him as myself. And so we see uh, from last week that Paul, uh, his uh, character, his uh, credit, if you would, was put to Onesimus's account. And then he says, and if he's wronged you, put that on my account. <laughs> so you receive him as me. And then as far as he's concerned, he said, uh, you can receive me as him, and you can put his wrong on my account, and then you can put my right on his account. And that's what Jesus did for us, right? Uh, on the cross, God took our wrong, put it on Jesus' account, and then Jesus could say to the Father, you receive Richard as myself. Okay, so now... Christ is the end of the law to righteous for righteousness to everyone that believes. All right, but but now having that context, we look here in verse eighteen. He says, "If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, or owes you anything, put that on mine account." Verse nineteen: I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. And so, God willing, we're going to expound this verse tonight, and we're going to take it in halves. There's two halves here, and we're going to first expound the first half, and then we're going to expound the last half. Look here now at the first half. Paul said, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. Now, if you'll take your pens and underscore the phrase in your Bibles, I, Paul, have written it. I, Paul, have written it. One of the things you learn, one of the first things you learn about the law as an adult, I'm not talking about the Mosaic law, I'm talking about our law, any, uh, civil human law. And some people have learned this lesson the hard way. Is that if somebody tells you they're going to pay you something. Or if somebody 
says they're going to meet some type of business obligation to you, then you better get it in writing. Isn't that right? You better get it. Anyone ever learned that the hard way? Yeah, I've seen people learn it the hard way. I've been in court for a long time, and I've watched people, as I'm waiting for my case to come up, I've watched people have a dispute, and they'll get up there, and they'll tell the judge, and they'll say, well, do you have it in writing? No, Your Honor, this is something verbal. It's about how far it goes. It stops right there. But it's an old saying, if it's not written down, then it never happened. If it's not written down, then it never happened. Some of the best legal advice you can ever get is to get it in writing. Because once an obligation is put in writing, then the obligated person has committed himself or committed herself to perform or oblige whatever is written down. The judge will hold that person to the letter of what is written in that document. So when Paul said, I, Paul, have written it, he was obligating himself. He was ensuring that what was written down was going to be performed. Make sense? And the idea of this is captured in the Word of God when God had the prophets write His words down for us. God wrote it down. He committed Himself repetitively and consistently throughout the Bible in both the Old and the New Testaments, and especially in the New God takes great pains in the scriptures to teach us that he is bound to fulfill every word that he has spoken. Every word. Isn't that something that God would obligate himself to us? But he has. So, oh, God's not obligated to anybody. Yes, he is. Because there's one thing God can't do. He can't lie. Bible says he can't lie in hopes that God who cannot lie promised before the world began. So when God writes it down, he obligates himself to the word that he has spoken. Just think about how many times we have read in the New Testament where Jesus said, it is written. Remember what happened when that old devil came after him? He kept saying, it is written. It is written. It is written. Not only did he tell the devil that, he told the people that when he was teaching to them. And he was confirming to us when he did that, that what was written down must be fulfilled. It has to be. Jesus said in John ten thirty five, if you want to write down outside your margin there, right outside of verse 19, you, you should have underscored, I, Paul, have written it. Draw your little arrow to your margin or someplace and write down uh, John 10.35. Jesus said in John 10.35, quote, The Scripture cannot be broken. The Scripture cannot be broken. You can break your promise. God can never break His. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus told some of his disciples, quote, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Listen now, 
that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And notice that Paul said that he had written this down with his own hand. There's no forgery here. No one obligated Paul, you know, without his consent. Uh, Paul did this himself. The promise was not made out of duress. He wasn't forced to do it. It was made by Paul himself, written down as an expression and a promise from his own heart. I'm obligating myself here in writing to you, Philemon. And in the same way, what God wrote down to us through the prophets concerning Jesus was no forgery. No forgery. It was made by God himself. I like that in the Old Testament. You know what I like in the Old Testament? I like that part where when Moses was on Mount Sinai, God didn't tell Moses to write those Ten Commandments. They were written with the finger of God. He wrote that law himself. I, Jehovah, have written it down. Basically, he could say, like Paul said, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. God wrote that law with his own hand And then he committed the rest of the law to be written down by Moses. He commissioned him to write down the remaining portion of it. And by doing so, God wrote down with his own hand through his Holy Spirit, through the prophet's pen. And he committed himself to fulfilling every bit of that Old Testament law when Jesus came. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 through 17 says... For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Paul was swearing by himself. Paul was obligating himself. And and the Bible says God swear by himself, saying to Abraham, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them the end of all strife. We're in God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of his promise. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Whatever God wrote down concerning us, he must fulfill to us. And whatever Paul wrote down concerning Onesimus, he must fulfill to Philemon. And Paul said to Philemon, if Onesimus owes you anything, Philemon, look back in your text now, say it with me, those four words, I will repay it. Oh, how sweet. How sweet. Now remember what we've learned the past few weeks Don't let this golden nugget slip by you. Remember the Jews were in bondage to the Egyptians. Onesimus, a Gentile, was in bondage to Philemon. Moses was a picture of Jesus delivering the Jews from their bondage to sin. Paul was a picture of Jesus delivering us Gentiles from our bondage to sin. Onesimus 
being a slave, was unable to pay for Laman what he owed, and Paul knew this. So Paul, desiring to settle Onesimus' account up with Philemon, he obligated himself to paying a debt he did not owe for a man who owed a debt he could not pay. And this is exactly what Jesus did in the gospel covenant. In the Old Testament, when God said that he would lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all, he was obligating himself when he wrote that down by the prophets, he was obligating himself to paying a debt that he did not owe for all of us who owed a debt that we could not pay. When God wrote the Old Testament law and he required an innocent substitute to die for the guilty in that Old Testament and a high priest then had to intercede on the sinner's behalf, God was saying, I, Jesus, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. That's exactly what that was. Woe and that Old Testament priest He took that innocent lamb or he took that innocent goat and he laid that goat on that altar and he took that knife in his hand and he slew that goat and let that blood drain out or that lamb and let that blood drain out. That was God in the Old Testament. I, Jesus, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. I will repay it. He obligated himself to paying the debt he did not owe for us who owed a debt. That we could not pay. Who was Onesimus to Paul? That Paul should make himself a surety like this for him. That Paul should obligate himself to pay a debt for a slave. Who was Onesimus? This was nothing but a pure act of love on Paul's account. That's all it was. It was just grace. It was grace. And it was nothing but an act of love on God's account to make himself a surety for us. Just grace. Onesimus couldn't pay this back. He couldn't work for it. We've already went over all that. The definition of the Greek word translated repay here. It consists of two words. It's a, it's a compound word. You know what compound words are like doghouse? You know, it's a compound word. The first Greek word in this word repay, made up of two Greek words. The first Greek word means off. Off, O-F-F, off. The second Greek word means to pay a price that is a penalty. I'm quoting that right from the Greek dictionary. To pay a price that is A penalty. So how do you put these two things together? The word off and the word to pay a price that is a penalty. If you think about putting those two ideas, I think the the sweetness of the Greek word will probably start. uh, You can start smelling the aroma of that truth in your mind right now. So as one would pay a penalty, Paul obligated himself to pay off. You see how those two words go together now? To pay off the debt that Onesimus owed. Not to pay down on it, praise God. But to pay it off. In the sense that that burden, when you think of of paying something off. How how, why do we use that? 
Why do we use the word pay off? Why don't we just say, oh, I paid that. I paid my car. Or I paid for my car. Why do we say I paid it off? Well, think about this just a moment. Let's say that this was a very heavy, heavy weight. Now, I'm going to pretend like it's a... I won't pretend like it's something heavy that only Brother Shepherd could carry, okay? Uh, something really heavy, all right? And so let's say this was a really, really heavy burden, a heavy weight. And let's say that I put this over here. Brother Doug, could you come volunteer, brother? Could you come do this? Won't you stand here so they can catch you over here in that camera? I just turned around right there. Let's say this heavy weight was laying on his shoulder. You can go ahead and grab it. it oh, it bend down, brother. That's heavy. Ooh, that's heavy. All right. It's heavy. So that burden is on Brother Doug. It's a burden he's got to bear. Whether it's a weight, whether it's a yoke around his neck, and the burden's behind him, and he's having to pull that burden, the burden's on him. So the sense of this Greek word is this. Once I pay this penalty in full, the penalty which weighs heavy on him, once I pay it in full, it relieves the burden, takes it completely off of him. Now, see, that's how Jesus paid the penalty. How did Jesus pay the penalty? By taking it off of him, put it on him. And he pulled that burden. He bore that burden on our behalf. That's the Greek word right here. Go ahead, brother. Thank you so much. Was that amazing or what? It's amazing. So not to pay down on it, but to pay it off in the sense that the burden of the debt that once was on Onesimus would now be off Onesimus. Ooh, glad to have that off my shoulders. We say that all the time, don't we? We use that terminology today when we pay off a car. That doesn't mean that we, we, we made another monthly payment. That doesn't mean uh, that, that uh, we, we got a little bit further down the road on what we owe. That means we made the final and complete payment that there is nothing more owed. Therefore, there is no more risk of losing what we paid for. This is what God did for us in Christ. This is what God obligated himself to do for us when he wrote down those prophecies in the Old Testament through his son. In Psalm chapter 81, Psalm 81 verse 6, listen to what God told Israel. And by telling Israel this, he's telling us this. God told Israel, quote, I took the load from your shoulder. I let you drop the worker's basket. Oh, man. You hearing that? Here they were. They had that, they had that basket or that pot. They had that just filled with the, whatever it was they were carrying, whether it was bricks, whether it was, you know, whatever the load was, the worker's basket. And, Oh, they got the whip cracking on their back and they're having to carry this big old heavy burden. And God said, I took the burden off your shoulder. I let you drop the worker's basket. That's what God did for us, man. When, when, When I was born, I was born in sin. 
And the heavy weight of those Ten Commandments were on my shoulders. And I had to work, work, work. I remember before I was saved and I was in church and I kept thinking, Oh, i got to serve the Lord as in a Lordship Salvation Church. And oh, I had to serve the Lord and do the best I can and, and make sure and please God. Then I'll know I'm going to heaven. And here I was with that big heavy law on me. And more the, the more I tried to please God, the heavier that load seemed to get. And I thought, man, I can't do this. And then I learned I didn't have to bear that burden that Jesus bore it for me. He came and he fulfilled those Ten Commandments on my behalf. He then paid the price for me breaking those commandments on the cross. And he let me drop the worker's basket. I don't have to work for my salvation. That work's already done. But I will work like any slave for the love of God's dear Son. I dropped the worker's basket. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, I, Paul, will pay, repay it. I'll pay it off. I'll take the worker's basket off of you. He took the load of sin from off our shoulders. Speaking of Israel again. God said in Hosea chapter 11 verse 4, he said, I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws. He said, here was Israel. Oh, here was Israel, and they had that yoke around their neck. And they were carrying that burden. Oh, bearing that burden that Pharaoh had on them. And it showed us bearing that burden under the law, having to pull it. It was hard because of sin, because of our fallen Adam. And God says, I took that yoke right off their jaws. How did he do that? Through the blood of a Passover lamb. And he set those people free right out of Egypt. And took the yoke off of them. <laughs> Why? Because the lamb bore that yoke. The lamb died in their place. And it set them free on Passover night. God took the yoke off of them. And this same freedom from our burden, uh, 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 from our burden, Christ offered uh, to us. When he said, listen, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 29, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. God said, I took the yoke. The heavy yoke off of you, Israel. I took the worker's basket off of you, Israel. I relieved the burden from off of you, Israel. And now Jesus comes into the New Testament and he invites everybody, Jew and Gentile, young and old. It doesn't matter. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Why? How could he take the yoke off of us? Because he said, I will repay it. I'll pay that burden off at Calvary. The only way you can take Christ's yoke of grace upon you is to accept the truth of the cross where Christ took the yoke of the law off of you and placed it on himself. I will repay, he said. Now, Paul, after making such a marvelous promise to Philemon 
on behalf of Onesimus. He then reminded Philemon, this moves us to the second half of this verse. He then reminded Philemon that even though he promised to repay, he said, Philemon, don't forget, you're indebted to me as Onesimus is indebted to you. Paul said, I'll, I'll repay what Onesimus owes you, Philemon. Look back in your text. Albeit, or however, he says, look in your text. I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me. You see that? Paul saying, Philemon, Onesimus is indebted to you. I understand that. But don't forget, Philemon, you likewise are indebted to me. So now this story of Onesimus, which up to this point has served as a window glass for us to look through. And, and, and through this glass so far, we've been able to see how God can forgive us through the gospel. This verse now becomes a mirror. And thus the book now becomes a mirror in which we can now see how we can forgive others through the gospel as well. You see that? Before we saw how God can forgive us, I will repay, receive him as myself, put his wrong on my account. But now we see how we can forgive others through the gospel as well. Now, to understand this principle, as we should, we have to first remember uh, what Onesimus owed Philemon. Onesimus was a slave. So unless someone could pay his redemption, Onesimus owed Philemon himself. <laughs> he belonged to him. He owed him for a life of service. And Paul said, Philemon, don't forget that you owe me, look back in your text, even thine own self besides. Onesimus owes you his self. Philemon, you owe me yourself. I believe it's understood by the passage that because Philemon was saved through the Apostle Paul's ministry, that he owed his very life to the Apostle Paul. For had he never heard the gospel, he would have surely perished forever in his sins. So when you consider that, then the truth is Philemon owed Paul a great deal more than Onesimus owed him. You see that? I mean, what, what would you rather, would you rather, would you rather owe a lifetime in the flesh to somebody or would you rather owe an eternity in body, soul, and spirit? So Philemon owed Paul a whole lot more than Onesimus owed him. How much more then was Philemon indebted to Paul than Onesimus to Philemon? Yet here's Philemon, even though he is indebted to Paul, even though he owes Paul his own self, yet here's Philemon walking around free. While Paul, the man he was indebted to, was in prison for preaching the gospel that set Philemon free. Wow. Now, Paul wasn't holding anything over Philemon's head. Philemon owed Paul, yet Paul was still willing to pay Philemon what Onesimus owed him. And this shows you that Paul was 
Again, not holding this debt over for Laman's head. Because if he was, if he actually expected him to pay it, then, then, then uh, in, in, indeed uh, he, he, he did not because he was walking around free. But Paul was rather reminding for Laman that, hey, you actually owe me more than Onesimus owes you. And if Philemon would have been obliged to pay him, that is, what he owed. And this very principle was taught to us by Christ as the basis upon which we are to forgive our fellow man. If you'd turn with me quickly to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18. And when you turn there, if you look with me in verse 21, we're going to look at the principle of forgiveness, and you'll see how this is in harmony with what Paul is teaching us here or what the Holy Spirit is teaching us here through Philemon. In Matthew 18, 21, the Bible says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now listen to what Jesus said. He said, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. In other words, there's going to be this king that's going to say, you know what, what do my servants owe me? And so he goes on to say in verse 24, and when he had begun to reckon, when he'd begun to add everything up for each man, what he owed, he said, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But... For as much as he had not to pay, he had nothing to pay. His Lord commanded him to be sold. Now, you see the principle of slavery here, right? Onesimus was a slave. Why? Because he owed a debt he could not pay. And so here is a man in this uh, parable here that owes a debt he can't pay. And so now he's going to be sold. He's going to become like Onesimus. Okay, and so he says, uh, he says in verse 25, but for as much as he had not to pay or nothing to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. In other words, sell them, sell their possessions. I'll take the cash from the sale and that's how I'll get satisfied. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down. He didn't want to be sold. He didn't want to be a slave. He didn't want his children to be a slave. He didn't want to lose all his possessions. So he fell down before the king. The Bible says, looked and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Well, that moved the heart of that king. The king felt sorry for him. The man didn't have a bad attitude. Verse 27, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. Oh, wow, compassion. Y'all remember that come Sunday. And loosed him. What's he doing when he looses him, brother? He's taking that burden off of him, brother. He loosed him 
and forgave him the debt. Now watch in verse 28. So I want you to picture the man that just got loose the debt. Picture him being Philemon. He owed a lot to this man, and the man let him go free. Picture that man that we just read about being Philemon, or you. Verse 28, but the same servant, the one that just got forgiven, went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, a whole lot less. A whole lot, owed him a whole lot less. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. Got him by the throat. And his fellow servant, as he did the king, fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. So when his fellow servant saw what was done, they were very sorry. They were very sad and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, that is that king, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldest not thou also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? So in the parable we just read, there are two servants, two servants, one servant that owes his master more than his fellow servant owes him. Same thing here with Philemon. Wow. Jesus sure knows how to word things, doesn't he? In the same way, Philemon was simply a fellow servant who owed Paul and God, more than Onesimus owed him. That's the point. He owed Paul for preaching the gospel. He owed God for accomplishing the gospel. And it would have been wrong for Philemon, who had been forgiven all this debt, both by God for accomplishing it, by Paul for preaching it, to have then gone and grabbed Onesimus by the throat, who owed him so much less than Onesimus owed Paul and God, and then demand payment when he returns to him. When God had forgiven him so much, when Paul was sitting in a prison on account of preaching the very gospel that set him free, and this becomes the basis upon which we You and I are called to forgive others. The basis is this. It's the fact that we can't justly demand payment from a fellow servant when God has so freely forgiven the much greater debt that we owe him. So what's the reasoning that Paul is using here? I believe Paul and Christ is saying, whatever someone owes you, Just chalk that up to what you owe God. That's a good way to sum this up. Whatever someone owes you, just chalk that up to what you owe God. Man, that makes it a whole lot easier to swallow, doesn't it? And since you owe God so much more than any man can ever owe you, you can chalk it all up. And you can forgive every trespass your fellow servant ever commits against you. And you'll still owe God more than what you forgave. 
Now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't pay our obligations to our fellow man. Paul said, I will repay. In fact, Paul is the one who said in Romans 13, 8, that we are to, quote, owe no man anything. But when someone humbles themselves, repents, and comes to you on their own accord, like Onesimus was coming back to Paul, because they want to make things right with you, that we should forgive our fellow servant as God has forgiven us. That's a good place for us to stop tonight. What a book.